Pray for Miss Dots. You've passed out and don't know what's going on there right now, but uh, let's just be in prayer for her this morning. Stop and pray for her. Heavenly Father, we know that you are sovereign over all things. Lord, you are the God of all things, creator and sustainer of all things. So, Lord, we bring Miss Dot to your throne of grace this morning. May your hand be upon her, Lord. We don't know what's going on. Only you know that. But, Lord, we just put her into your hands. Lord, just may your grace be poured out upon her. Lord, be with her family as questions are arising in their heart. Lord, just entrust it all to you. Now, Lord, as we begin now to look into your word and hear the message that you have for us here today, Lord, may our hearts be attentive. And, Lord, may we learn to find joy, discover how to have joy, even in times of trouble. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. This morning, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Psalm chapter, excuse me, not Psalm, Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. They were looking at verses 3 through 11. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. Discovering joy as we're going through the book of Philippians. Philippians is all about joy. It's the book of joy. Paul talks a lot about it, and he wants to show the Philippians how they can find joy in their life regardless of trials that they may face the troubles of life he wants them to know how to have true joy christ-centered joy so today we're looking at rejoicing in the fellowship of the saints rejoicing in the fellowship of the saints as we discover true joy you will as we read stand with me in reverence to the reading of god's holy word I thank my God and all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. As we talked about last week, uh, a lot of people pursue happiness in life. And it's good to be happy. It's good to have happiness in your life, to be a happy person. But happiness is 
oftentimes it's, it's self-centered. It's based upon me and what's going on in my life. It's, it's based upon happenings. That's where the word happiness comes from. It's hap- happenings, uh, situations and circumstance, those kind of things. Most often determined our happiness. But there's something greater. I mean, we want to be happy, but there's something far greater than just happiness which we can have. What we can really have, what is lasting, happiness is not lasting. Happiness is based upon the situation and circumstance as the floodwaters rose and houses were destroyed. There are a lot of people who weren't happy with that. Many people in our community who aren't happy. But even in the midst of the loss, even though they may not be happy, there is joy to be had. Because joy comes from something more than just happenings. Joy comes from within us. And as we looked at last week, the source of real joy, lasting joy, is Christ Jesus our Lord. If we have Christ in our heart, we can experience joy even though our world is falling apart around us. We can have joy in Him And that's what Paul wants to get across to the Philippians because Paul, as he's writing this letter, he's he's not in a happy state. He is in a Roman prison. Right? His situation and circumstances aren't that great. Nevertheless, he is filled with joy. And the Philippians, as they are undergoing persecution and many other trials that they are facing, and we'll look at those as we go through this book, but as they are facing these different trials, they have reason not to be happy, but even in the midst of all their trials and tribulations, they have great reason for joy. Joy in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul demonstrates here outwardly, demonstrates outwardly focused of joy as he begins to rejoice even in his fellowship with his this church in Philippi and so Paul demonstrates here for us one way that we rejoice in Christ we rejoice we have joy in the fellowship of the saints and the fellowship of the body of Christ and the fellowship of believers that Christ-centered fellowship that we have with one another. And so Paul gives thanksgiving and prayer here. And as he gives this thanksgiving and prayer, we find that real and lasting joy can be found in Christ-centered fellowship of the saints. We say that again. That's a sermon in a sentence. Real and lasting joy can be found in the Christ-centered fellowship of of the saints and that's what we're going to see in this passage this morning so uh, Paul as he opens up this little passage he kind of gives a, a little summary about what he's going to say here in the first few verses verses three through five I thank my God in all remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now Paul here is rejoicing in the fellowship that he has with this body of believers. Even though they're miles away, 
He rejoices in the fellowship that they have with one another in Christ. We can find joy in the body of believers. We can have joy as we fellowship as the saints together. So now Paul goes more into detail as he begins to explain his prayer of thanksgiving for this church at Philippi. And first of all, we see that we can rejoice in the progress of the saints. How do we rejoice in our fellowship together as saints? First of all, we rejoice in the progress of the saints. We rejoice in the progress of the saints. Look at at verse 6. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. First thing that Paul gives praise to is the progress of the saints in their walk with Christ. Now, when we think about the progress, what we're talking about here is the salvation of the saints, all right? The salvation of this believers. That's what he is rejoicing in as he is seeing them. He sees the evidence of salvation in their life. And when you talk about the salvation of of believers, you, you talk about three things, three phases, if you will, of salvation. There's the the past part of salvation, the present part of salvation, and the future part of salvation. And, And Paul really, in this little statement, covers all three of those. He rejoices in the um in the evidence of justification that's past he rejoices in the evidence of sanctification that's the present and he rejoices in the hope of glorification that's the future now let me begin to explain all these a little bit I know justification sanctification glorification those are big theological terms what do they mean Uh, many of you haven't spent a lifetime in church that may be foreign to you so so what are we talking about justification sanctification and glorification Well, justification is the part of salvation that takes place the moment you believe in Christ Jesus. The moment that you trust in Him and put your faith in Christ, you are declared righteous before God. Here's the image that we have in Scripture. We know that one day that we are going to be, we're going to stand before the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the judge of all judges. We're going to stand before God. And we're going to stand in a trial before him. And God is going to look at all of our life. And he is going to, to bring down the gavel. Either there's only two, two answers here. There's only two responses that God can give us when he looks at us. He can either give the, the, the declaration guilty. Sentence to eternity in hell. Or... He can give the sentence of justified, righteous, pure in my sight. Receive the reward of your justification by coming into my kingdom. Now we know, or we ought to know, that in our own works, by our own works, if God looks at our lives and sentences us according to what we deserve, the sentence will be condemned. But if he looks at us through Christ, 
and through Christ alone, then we receive the verdict of justified. Romans chapter uh, 3, Paul talks about this to the Romans, the church at Rome. Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 19, Paul says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human, human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So understand, God... The creator who gave us life, because he gave us life, because he created all things, he has every right to put upon us his law. He has every right to say, you are my creatures and this is what I demand of you. And so God gives us his law that we're called to live by. But the problem is that that we have fallen into sin because of Adam and Eve's sin, because of Adam's fall. We are his offspring, and we are by nature, we are sinners. We continue to break the law of God. But as as that passage just said, God didn't just give his law just to condemn us, but to also show us our condemnation, to make us understand that we can't keep that law. Because of our sin nature, because we are unable to keep God's Word, God was gracious to give us His law. Here it is, line by line, verse by verse. Here's the law that I I judge you by. Here it is. See how you can't do it. The law wasn't given. Understand this, and, and there may be those who, who have this misunderstanding. We hear it all the time. Well, if I just live a good life, then, then God will let me in. No. You see, that's the point of Paul in Romans chapter 3. It, it's not by the works of the law that we're justified because we can't do the law. Oh, we might have our good days that we kind of keep somewhat, some of the law. We might do this or that, and, and we can bring out points. Oh, look at me. I, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't done this, and I haven't done all of that. We might can find those. But when you look at the law of God and we compare our whole life to His law, we see that we are sinners worthy of condemnation before God. That's the point of the law, to show us our guilt before Him. Dear friend, if you're here today and you're trying to work yourself into heaven, you're not going to do it. You've already failed. From the very beginning, we are condemned by His law. Because we are by our very nature sinners, transgressors, rebels against God but notice what he goes on to say but now (laughs) that beautiful word but but now you are condemned before God you have the knowledge of sin because of the law but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law although the law and the prophets bear witness to it the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, 
by His grace as a gift, not through works, by His grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation or an atoning sacrifice by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God sent his son to be a propitiation, an atoning sacrifice. In other words, to appease the angry wrath, the righteous wrath of God against our sin. Christ Jesus became a propitiation for us. He took on the wrath of God in our place so that we might become the righteousness of God. How are you justified? You're never justified and will never be justified by your works of the law. You're justified by God's grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you don't have faith in Jesus, today is your day of warning. Turn to Christ. There isn't salvation in no other name but the name of Jesus. He died for your sins and was raised again for your justification so that you might stand justified before God. Trust in Him. So there's the evidence of justification. And here's where the evidence of the justification comes. This is what Paul is getting at here. There's the evidence of, of the justification and then there's the evidence of the sanctification. This is really the evidence of the justification. Notice what he says here, verse 6 again. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, salvation is from God. He is the one who justifies through Christ. The one who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And as he's already said that they are partners with him in the gospel, he's going to say that again in a minute. You see, Paul sees in the church of Philippi the evidence of their sanctification. Now, sanctification is when we become more like Christ. It comes from the word sanctified, which means holiness, holy. As we grow in holiness, grow to be more like Christ, we become more and more sanctified in this life. We never become perfect in this life, but we, we grow in sanctification. And what Paul is seeing here in the church at Philippi is he is seeing the activity of God's work in their life, that God is using them, making them, molding them into the image of Jesus Christ. And part of that evidence is their partnership with him in the gospel, even though their partnership with him has caused them pain. They've undergone persecution because of the gospel. They've undergone trials because of the gospel. And yet they've never wavered away from the gospel. And Paul sees this as a work of God in their lives. As he's going to say here in verse 
in verse two, chapter or chapter two, verse thirteen. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. He sees as they are partnering with Him in the gospel, as He sees their life, the, their faith worked out in their lives. He is seeing God's work in them, sanctifying them, and He is praising God for that work. He is praising God for the evidence of justification, the evidence of sanctification, and He is praising God for the hope of justification. For He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The day when Christ returns. That's when in this life we are working towards sanctification. God is sanctifying us in this life. But we never achieve perfect sanctification until Christ returns and we are glorified. We become like Him because we will see Him, Scripture says. And we are all looking for that day. And Paul is giving joy and rejoicing with thanksgiving, looking forward to that day when all of the sin of this life, the sins of this flesh will die away and fade away and we will be made perfect as Jesus Christ is perfect. We will be glorified. Oh, we should rejoice as we look at one another and see the activity of faith working in one another's lives. As you look across to your brothers and sisters in Christ, as you grow together in your life group together, as you see one another grow and grow, you see the evidence of justification, you see the evidence of sanctification, and you look forward to the hope of, of glorification, man, that is reason to rejoice and have joy. No matter what life brings, who cares? We're going for glorification. And don't we rejoice when we see our brothers and sisters headed that direction too? We rejoice in the fellowship of the saints as we rejoice in the progress of the saints. Second, we rejoice in the partnership of the saints. We rejoice in the partnership of the saints. Look there at verse 7. Verse 7 says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For, here's the reason, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So why does he rejoice in them? Why does he give this prayer of thanksgiving for them? Because of their, part, because of their partnership with him in grace. His part, their partnership with him in the gospel. In his imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. He is rejoicing in the partnership of these saints in the gospel ministry. We see here that they, they, are, they partner with Him. There's this partnership in provision. There's partnership in provision. They partner with Him in His imprisonment. Now, in His day, in Paul's day, Paul was in prison, remember? And so in his day, it wasn't like our American judicial system where prisoners go to jail and the state takes care of them. No, no, no. 
when prisoners went to jail in the Roman Empire, there was no one to take care of them. The state did not feed them, did not clothe them, did not uh, give them medicine or, or whatever else. They did not take care of them. The prisoners depended on family and friends to come and bring those provisions. And here Paul is in a Roman prison as we're going to see in this book, they, the uh, Philippians here have sent a guy by the name of Epaphroditus to bring provisions for him and support him even in his imprisonment for the gospel. Not only that, if you go back to the book of Acts and see Paul's uh, uh, first encounter with the Philippians, after that the Philippian church apparently kept on providing for him, sending him provisions as he went along his missionary journey. Think about this. This is how we partner with other ministers in the gospel of, of the, of, in the ministry of the gospel. We're taking up this Annie Armstrong Easter offering, right? What are we doing as we take up this offering? We are partnering together with missionaries who are going out all across these United States, all the way up in Canada, taking the gospel. We are partners with them by providing for their need. Their need. The same thing with the Lottie Moon and, and all the other missions offerings that we take up. And when we uh, give to the cooperative program, all of that is partnering together with other Southern Baptists to make the gospel known around this world. That's why our giving is so important. We must take the gospel to the ends of the earth. You and I, all of us, can't go to the ends of the earth ourselves, but through our partnership with other Christians, we can reach the ends of the earth with the gospel. And so we partner with them. We rejoice in that partnership. Another way that we partner, there's partnership in proclamation. Partnership in proclamation, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. We rejoice in our partnership with the saints as we join one another in the, the proclamation of the gospel. You know, as we, even this week, as we have been working with other churches in our community, that has just been a blessing to me, to be able to come together with other churches, other church members, and, and get together, and we rejoiced in the Lord serving our community with the love of Christ. You see, we're not in, in competition with, with uh, the church down the road. We're not in competition with Green Acres. We're not in competition with North Monroe of Bastrop. We're not in competition with, with Cherry Ridge. We're not in competition with all of these churches. We are in partnership with them. And we should rejoice when we need to come together and work together in our community and wherever else for the cause of the gospel. We rejoice in partnership with one another in the gospel. So we rejoice as we rejoice in the fellowship of the saints. We rejoice in the progress of our fellow saints. We rejoice in the partnership of saints. And we rejoice in prayer for the saints. We rejoice in prayer for the saints. Verses 8 through 9. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ. Oh, that we would yearn for our fellow believers 
as Paul yearns for this church of Philippi. And it is my prayer, this is how he yearns, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. You see, he says, this is how I yearn. I yearn through my prayers. I continue to give petition to God on your behalf. Because I long for you, I love you, and I want to, to see you grow. I want to see you excel in Christ, and so I'm praying for you. Oh, do you rejoice in prayer for your fellow believers in Christ? Do you rejoice in that? Prayer shouldn't be just something that we do if we have a little time. It's not just a thing that we do, uh, you know, bless this food that I'm about to eat. You know, it should be something that's always on our minds. And we should rejoice in prayer. And we should rejoice in our prayer for one another. How, what does this kind of prayer look like? How is Paul showing us how we can pray for one another in joy? First of all, he prays for growth and love. He prays for growth in love, that your love may abound more and more. You know, that's one of our, our goals here at this church. We, our goal is to love God love one another, and love the world. We're to grow in love. We want to see this body of believers grow in love. And that love begins with that love for one another. Well, it begins with love for God, and it continues with love for one another. We're to love one another, and we're to pray that, that each and every one of us would grow in our love, that we would become more like Christ in the way we love God, love one another, and love our world. Are you praying for the growth of your fellow believers, the growth in Christian love? Second, we pray for growth in knowledge in God's Word. Pray for growth in the knowledge in God's Word. That your love may abound more and more with knowledge. Now Paul is not talking about knowing how to do algebra. He's not talking about knowledge and, and calculus or what, uh, the sciences or whatever. He is talking about growth in the knowledge of God's Word. We see that throughout Scripture when they, when they talk about praying for the knowledge. It's praying for the knowledge of God's Word because that's the most important thing. We pray that people would grow in their knowledge, that, they, that our fellow Christians would get into the Word of God and dig in deep to the Word of God and, and take from it its message and grow in their likeness to Christ through God's Word. J.C. Ryle once said, The Bible applied to the heart by the Holy Spirit is the chief means by which men are built up and established in the faith. After their conversion, it is able to cleanse them, to sanctify them, to instruct them in righteousness, and to furnish them thoroughly for all good works. I pray week by week that you would grow in the knowledge of God's Word. I want to see you get it. I want to see you take God's Word and understand it and be able to apply it to your life. That's why I stand here week after week and I dig into God's Word. I'm not just coming with my opinions and my thoughts. I'm coming to you with God's Word because I want to see you grow in the knowledge of truth. 
Jesus says in his, his high priestly prayer, Father, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. He was praying for all who would believe in him, even you, that you might grow in truth, grow in the knowledge of his word. As you seek him through his word, are you praying for one another that you would grow in love and grow in knowledge in God's Word? And third thing he points out to us is, is growth in spiritual discernment. Growth in spiritual discernment, all knowledge and discernment. This comes out of a knowledge of God's Word. Because Paul, as he continues to work through this letter, he's going to, to address some false teachers who come about and who are going to tempt the Philippians to, to drift away from the true faith of God's Word. And you see, that's the, the trouble. And we see other times that Scripture tells us to get into God's Word, to study God's Word, to be firm in God's Word so that you're not tossed to and fro by every wave of doctrine. If we don't have God's Word in our mind, if, it's, if we don't study it day in and day out, then we can be led astray very easily. We can listen to those heretical teachers out there who teach a gospel other than the true gospel. Who take God's Word, and yes, they may take a little bit here and a little bit there, and they may put it together and jam it together and twist it and turn it to make it mean what they want it to mean. And if you don't have a good knowledge of Scripture, you could fall prey to what they're teaching. Dig into God's Word and pray that your fellow Christians, your fellow servants of Christ would grow in God's Word. Encourage one another to grow and knowledge of God so that you may grow in spiritual discernment and not be led astray by every wave and wind of doctrine. So we are, as we rejoice in the fellowship of the saints, there's rejoicing in the fellowship of the saints. When we rejoice in the fellowship of the saints, we rejoice in the progress of the saints. We rejoice in the partnership of the saints we rejoice in the prayer for the saints and finally we rejoice in the product of the saints we re rejoice in the product of the saints or or you might say fruit of the saints but you know we had all peace so i had to kind of keep it going so i don't do that often but hey get one every now and again so we rejoice in the product of the saints that is the fruit of the saints what kind of fruit is he, is he looking at here? Look at verses 10 and 11. So that, all right, so that you may grow in love, for one of, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that, here's another reason statement for this purpose, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of God and praise of God. Paul is praying that this church would produce fruit of righteousness. As they grow in love for one another, as they grow in knowledge of Scripture, as they grow in their discernment, he is praying that more and more as they grow in Christ, they would grow to produce fruits of righteousness. You see, that's the, out the outlook or the outpouring, the, the outcome of 
a Christian life. It's supposed to be. We're not just called to come be knots on a log in church every Sunday. We're called to produce, produce fruits of righteousness. That's kind of what we've been doing this past week. We've been, we've been seeing some fruits of righteousness as, as believers came together to pour out the love of Christ. They, they put aside their own needs, their own wants, and they came to the church and they served people. That's a, a fruit of righteousness. They showed love for others more than love for themselves. And I rejoice in my church. Those who came and displayed fruits of righteousness. I rejoice in that. Because that goes back to the evidence that you are in Christ. We're to encourage one another to, to faith in good works. Are you encouraging one another to not just walk around this life like zombies? but to produce fruits of righteousness. That's what we're called to do. And I pray that you would be productive in the fruits of righteousness. So we rejoice in the product of the saints as they produce fruits of righteousness and produce for the glory of God. We're just not doing good works for good works' sake. We're not just doing works of righteousness for works of righteousness' sake. We do it all for His glory. That's why Christ came. That's the first reason Christ came. He didn't come, first of all, to, to save your soul. He came, first of all, to glorify God. Because God alone is worthy of worship and praise and glory and honor. And our first task as followers of Jesus Christ is to glorify God above everything, to love God and glorify Him in all that we do. Matthew 5.16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that for this reason that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Is your life glorifying God? Are you living for His glory? When you wake up in the morning, is that, that what your aim for the day is? Oh Lord God, let me glorify Your name. Let me live in such a way that You would receive glory and honor. Oh, wretched man that I am, take away my sins so that I might glorify your name. Is that your prayer? You might do works for His glory's sake. Oh, when we see ourselves and our fellow saints working to glorify God, that is reason to rejoice. Because that's what we're here for. 
We are here to glorify His name and give Him praise above everything else. There is joy in the fellowship of the saints. There is joy in the fellowship of the saints. We are called to love one another through gospel-centered community. Are you loving one another in gospel-centered community? Let me ask you today, church. Are you involved in a life group? Are you involved in a life group? Because that is where the body is the body. That's where we, we come together and we really love one another. We share life together. We share one another's burdens. It, like I said uh, in the weeks previous to today, when we talked about loving one another, it's hard for us to really share one another's burdens when there's almost 200 of us in here. But when we come down to 12, 15 people, we can really do life together more and more. We can commune with one another, share one another's burdens. That's why we have in our mission statement, love one another. We're called to live in gospel-centered community, to come together and share burdens and live life together, encouraging one another to faith and good works. Are you involved in a life group? You're never going to see significant growth in your life with Christ if you're not involved in a life group, doing community with other believers, gospel-centered community with other believers in Christ. I encourage you, get involved in a life group. There's plenty of them here for you. So get involved in a life group and love one another through gospel-centered community. Are you experiencing the real lasting joy that comes from the Christ-centered fellowship of the saints? Are you experiencing that today? Are you experiencing the joy that comes in the, the, seeing the progress of the saints? Are you rejoicing in the partnership of the saints as you join other people, other members of Christ in gospel service? Are you rejoicing in prayer for the saints, your fellow believers and are you rejoicing in the produce of the saints to the glory of our God in heaven? Are you experiencing the kind of joy that we have being members of the body of Christ? In that, we can find joy everlasting full of glory. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come to You today, Lord, and we know our love is not perfect. Only Your love was perfect. But Father, as You work in the hearts of Your church, Father, let us know Your love. Let us know Your love for one another, Lord. May we love one another as You loved us. Rejoicing in one another's progress in the faith and praying for one another and 
partnering with one another. Seeing the fruits of righteousness in our lives. Oh Lord, may we know the joy of community as we come together to work for Your glory. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Stand with me if you will. and Ask brother. Well, long second hand. Can I get a brother to come? <laughs> Shelby, would you come up here? And uh, stand and maybe you have wonders this morning. Maybe the word has been preached. You, you don't know that you're justified. You've never truly turned away from your life of rebellion and turned to Christ. I'd ask you to come today and give your life to Him. Perhaps you want to know more about this church. And we'll be glad to answer those questions. Shelby will be here to, to help you with that. As we sing, Grace Greater Than Our Sins, page 329.